Hi there, Stacey Maynard here. Don't just link for the sake of linking, link for success. Welcome back to another episode of Link for Success. Today is all about selling. Um, I know we talk a lot about how to do things online and stuff like that, but you know what? Right now we're kind of in the middle of a crisis in this pandemic that is this new world of ours. So I wanted Dave to come on the show. He's a fantastic human being. Sorry, he's a real human being, and I'll explain what that means in a minute. Um, he's got his philosophy around gears, which is really cool, but I've seen a lot of conversation over the last couple of days in regards to how to sell in a crisis, how to keep your online business going in a crisis. A lot of conversations about people who are still trying to sell. You know, last week, if you're listening to this sort of in week two of our lockdown, as I'll call it, you know, week one was very generosity focused in regards to content. A lot of people were focused around helping everybody and how they can continue to stay healthy and make sure you wash your hands and here's where I can buy toilet paper and all that kind of stuff. This week, going into week two, I'm seeing a lot of how to sell, how to sell, how to sell, uh, both pros and cons. Some people are saying shut her down. We're in the state of emergency, uh, essential services only. There's so much going on right now. We're not in normal times. So I wanted to ask Dave about his expertise in regards to selling. What does that look like? How can we do it? Should we be doing it? And kind of breaking it down in regards to his philosophy around what gear you're in when you're doing these certain things. So Dave, welcome. Hey. Thank you, Stacy. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so before we kick off, um, who's Dave? Uh, my name is Dave Howlett. Um, like you, I make a living yakking for uh, various groups and workshops and audiences. My website is realhumanbeing.org. And I was lucky to stumble into something that's very sticky and long-term sustainable uh, called The Gears about 18 years ago. Um, actually, I was a dental sales rep, and I had to go out there and sell dentist or dentistry products to hygienists and dentists. And I realized that my biggest problem with selling was the people I was selling it to because they had to resell it to their patients. And a lot of hygienists and dentists don't consider themselves salespeople. They're dental professionals. So I put together a funny little talk called No Selling Please for Dentists. How to get people to like you and trust you, buy stuff from you without being a super, super slimy, slick salesperson, right? Schmarmy. That's and my word. Schmarmy. Oh, I schmarmy. like the schmarmy. The schmarmy. And um, because at least in Canada, I think our place setter for sales is liar, cheat, plaid jacket, used car. And uh, so your, your question about how do you get people to buy from you in times of a, a pandemic is a perfect match for my gears. Because what I concluded when I was talking to these dentists about took me two years to evolve my philosophy is selling isn't bad it's the gear you're in when you sell that's the issue it's hmm. the gear you're in when you sell so let me explain the three gears so everybody can get it so first gear is narrow self-interest behavior me first me second anything left over me again so somebody selling in first gear would be always be closing push your product you know uh phrases we hear are target market you know it's like you're just a walking wallet to buy my stuff Okay, and I'm going to flood the market, and I'm going to, I'm going to uh, find anybody with a pulse to buy my stuff. So that would be a first gear type of mindset. Second so a lot of people on social media, basically. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm not yeah. sure if it's true or perceived, but you got to remember, in a typical company, sales hates marketing, marketing hates IT. Nobody likes HR, and everybody hates that office. So the place setter. Oh, you worked with me. 
Yeah, that was my we're company. All, well, there you go. We're that all, was my we're company. All, yeah, was, yeah. Everybody, every, it was interesting. Everybody hated everybody else. It was fascinating. Well, that's it. But we always have this. Um, we always say that group is in first gear. Okay, so salespeople are all in first gear because they only care about themselves. Finance people are always in first gear because they always say no, no, no. You can't have budget for anything. So everybody always tags another group as first gear, right? Um, second gear would be reciprocity. You buy my product. And uh, I give it to you. Okay, so be a contract. My wife is doing her master's in uh, business law right now. And, and uh, so one of the courses she's taking is contract law right now. So second year would be a contract. Okay, honest day's work for an honest day's pay. Uh, or Stacey, you and I are married. You want to go to a chick flick tonight. Next week, we get to go to a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. So it would be a trade-off. So Just so we're clear, I would much rather go to the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. There you go. I love Jean-Claude Shame Van Damme. on me for stereotyping, all right? <laughs> Shame on me. But all humor has to do is first-gear stereotyping. So, you know, please forgive me. So uh, <laughs> most, people, most people don't know how to sell, sell in first gear. That's why a guy on a date who's nervous, what does he talk about? Himself. That's right. That's right. Because you default to your product and you just talk about your product. And after two hours of telling her everything about you and your car and your truck and your job and your dog, and you're like, why isn't she like buying into my, my presentation? Because she's hard to yak about your product for two hours. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So second gear would be um, offering a quality product in exchange for a uh, remuneration, okay? compensation. And that's how most people try and sell, or at least try and get to sell okay um but it's transactional that's the problem with second gear second gear would be stacy going to a atm a bank machine you ask for a hundred dollars you put your little card in of course after you wipe all the buttons with your sanitizer now or you use your elbow right and you so you ask for a hundred dollars and out comes a hundred dollars and then you leave now you don't spend the rest of the week talking about that atm machine because it fulfilled your expectation you asked for something it gave it to you and you left Okay, right. and that would be a second gear type of sales procedure. What I specialize in is helping people get to third gear. And third gear is intrinsic reward or do the right thing. Um, you can translate it to sales, to leadership, to innovation, to dating, to driving a car. But in sales, because that's what we're talking about today, um, if you sell in third gear, I don't look at you as, at least in Canada, I don't call you a salesperson. I just say, wow. Stacy, she's amazing. You need help with this. You need to buy a product. Get it from Stacy. She's amazing. Or right. Davey's a good guy. So people start putting names to people selling in third gear. So your question was, so how do you sell in times of pandemic? Well, or even do, should we be focused on that? Because that's right. You know, like people are. This is not normal times. And unfortunately, I've seen two two or three uh, very specific, you know, how to sell, how to sell during a crisis, how to sell during a pandemic. But I've also seen a lot of people who have been promoting their staff that they're still open for business and they're getting a lot of backlash saying, you're not supposed to be doing this. You're supposed to be shut down. You're not supposed to be selling. You're not supposed to be focused on this. Right. Um, but their business is they work from their house. They're not interacting. They're not socializing. They're, they're still doing the social isolation. They're in their house. <clears throat> they ship their stuff through Canada Post. You know, she's sort of explained her processes. She's wiping it all down, making sure it's all clean when it goes into the box. As long as Canada Post is open, technically she's open for business. So she, sure. like, where does she fall into that category of should she shut down or not? And she's getting a lot of backlash from that. So I've seen kind of both sides of things. And I just think it's very confusing right now. Okay. So a good way to clarify it is, um, this is what I said to these dentists when I was first talking to them. I said, um, 
what you want to do to sell into their gears, you want to position yourself as a solution to somebody's problems. Right. Okay. So that's a third gear type of mindset. What problem do my clients have that I can solve? Now, the next question you got to ask is, does that problem still exist even though a pandemic's going on? Right. So for example, let's say you make, uh, I don't know, organic toothpaste. Are people still brushing their teeth in times of pandemic? And do they want organic toothpaste? I suspect so. In fact, they're all trapped together in a house. They probably want to feel fresh and clean. So there's no reason why you can't continue to sell your organic toothpaste. What you do need to do is be mindful that there are a lot of priorities out there that people have over and above your toothpaste. So maybe be a value-added vendor where on your website, you know, and you talked about this earlier about generosity, you put, uh, you know, a, a little video about best way to wash your hands, you know, before you brush your teeth. Or you talk about your sterilization procedures for your toothpaste, all right? Uh, I have a friend of mine, her name is Kim. I won't release her last name because I haven't asked her permission to share this story, but Kim is a pretty interesting individual. I met her about 15 years ago at a talk. Uh, she was a computer programmer. Uh, and about eight months ago, she decided to make a career change and become a fundraiser for a university. Cool. Now, she's got this really cool, neat personality. I call her the queen of returns. She can go to any place and get a return, okay? She talked about that about 15 years ago, too. She goes, among my girlfriends, they call me the queen of returns. You know, even if the return date is gone, I can usually get a return. I went, seriously? I said, you should do a whole podcast called the queen of returns. Anyway, she made a career jump about six months ago. And think about what's happened to the world of fundraising. Now the pandemic's going on. You know, here you are worried about the health of your parents, the health of your kids. Every day there's bad news. And now all of a sudden a call comes in from somebody at a university asking if you'd like to donate money to that university. You could see how a lot of people would be very uncomfortable in that kind of sales role now. But not Kim. I said, you know, how are you doing? She goes, actually really well. Because she said, I look at my prospects and my clients as human beings. And so she said, what I'm doing is yeah, I'm using the pandemic as a time to make connections. So I call people and I go, how are you doing? I'm honestly really curious about, are you okay? Is there any value I can give you? Can I connect you with somebody else who might be to help your grandmother in another city through our alumnus network? Um, so she said, I'm, I don't look myself as selling a product or a service. I look at myself as a value-added individual in their network. Right. And I know they're going to remember how I acted during this whole thing. Long you know, and third gear is a long-term reputational type of mindset, which is it's not ABC always be closing. It's I am here for you. Yeah, I'd love you to buy my product. But even if I don't get that reciprocity right away, I'm in third gear and I'm here of value to you. Right. So what advice would you give? <clears throat> what advice would you give to somebody who is trying to figure out how to position themselves as helpful because I think that's kind of where you're coming from, right? If I'm interpreting what you're saying, we're sort of focused on, you know, that first gear all about me, you know, that hard sell. Again, I think right. you worked in the same company I did because it was fascinating the world I lived in. I was the, um, I was the central point of management, sales, and marketing. Right. And I also dealt with accounting quite frequently as well. And the conversations that took place about, you know, this department doesn't like this department, this, but I was able to see all sides. So it was a very interesting um, concept. So how do you change from buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff? And, and I do agree that a lot of companies have turned off their Facebook ads. They've turned off their LinkedIn ads. They've made it, you know, a lot more helpful these days. We've moved to, okay, I want to be of value. So how do you position yourself 
as a resource and a value-added resource, but you're still open for business without appearing that you're being selfish. So is that coming from the interpretation of the individual or is that coming from the intention of the business owner? I think it's both. Look, the fact is you can't be accountable for what everybody thinks about you. All right. Uh, there are some people who are going to judge you as selfish if you get up in the morning and, you know, you open up the blinds while well, she's so look, she's not socially isolating. She's opening up her curtains this morning. Right. So, you know, I've learned the fact that uh, uh, who's it? I think John Stewart said 10 um, percent of people love me a little bit too much. 10 percent of people hate me a little bit too much. I listen to the opinions of the 80 percent in the middle. Right. OK, so that's a good way to start. Yep. Um, so how do you determine what gear you're in and the tent you sell? I mean, literally I have written on my desk, be of value to your clients. Okay. Be, be of value to your clients. And that could be with your service or your product. Uh, one thing a lot of people forget is you may have a huge Rolodex of clients, but they don't all know each other. So if you're in a service industry, for example, okay. And you've got some, some clients that you sell your services to, um, I would look at this as an opportunity, if you can, to reach out to your major influencers, you know, people who buy your products a lot or people who, uh, who uh, have referred you a lot of business and have a touch-based call. A lot of people are working out of their homes now, okay? So schedule a face-to-face, -face, at least via video, and, uh, and just a touch-base. And it's not with an ulterior motive. It's just, you know, I just want to thank you very much for your business in the last five years. Just want to check in. How you doing? Um, you know, what's your biggest challenge? What's keeping you awake at night? I have a lot of other clients in your space. They're in other provinces, but if your business is going through some challenges right now, I might be able to connect you another one of my clients who are undergoing the same problem. So all of a sudden you are positioning yourself as a central node in part of their network, right? Now, does that reflect on your product or your service? Absolutely. Brand is a promise. You know, it's what people think about you before you walk in the room. When this whole thing goes away, as it will, you know, I'm going to think back into, okay, who are my vendors who I never heard from during this whole situation? Then I'm going to hear from people who just spam me to buy their stuff through this whole situation, which comes across this first year. Then I'm going to hear about from people who, you know what, they weren't hardcore, you know, like buy my product, buy my product, but their emails I received from them about their product was, you know, talking about how concerned they were, what they're doing with their employees. Um, and you know, we do have stuff for sale, but what's really important is your health and welfare right now. Um, and I think that it's a balance. Um, I will tell you, you know, if anybody's listening to this podcast and they don't know where that balance is, I would, uh, you know, the people with the answers are your clients. I would pick up the phone and call one of your two, your best clients and ask them, you know, I'm in this situation. What do you think I should do? Sometimes you need to hear from your clients about how much value they get from you. And they might something like, say something like, Mary, please don't stop. I really value getting your product once a month, okay? Um, but I will say you might want to change your website so it reflects this and this and this. Um, yeah, you know what? That's, that's great advice. I always um, actually gave that advice to somebody recently that, before this whole pandemic, but they're like, how do I know what my clients want? And I literally said to them, ask them. Yeah. Lit like People love to give their opinion. And if you actually went out there and asked, so she did, and she got incredible resources that she was able to build an entire program around that sold out in like two days because she just went out and said, what's your biggest problem around this topic that she was talking about? Exactly. And it's really that simple um, as an ask or um, what question do you have? You know, um, anything like that, but you're right, reaching out, how they can help. And I think around, I think it's the perception around what's going on in social media right now because people are so much on right now. 
right. whereas they weren't before. They are more on Facebook. They're more on Instagram. I'm seeing a lot more activity uh, when it comes to LinkedIn as well. And I think because we're in this shift, we're changing our behaviors and people are a lot more sensitive to what they're seeing. So again, like I said, you know, last week, a lot of helpful resources, a lot of free information, a lot of companies who kind of came out and said, you know what, I'm giving you all of this stuff for free. I want to give you all my online programs, free access for a month. Loved seeing all that stuff and that generosity. And I'm fearful that we've switched it into, okay, now that we're kind of over the the craziness and now we're going to settle into our two weeks or more of isolation, it's like, okay, now I can switch to a little bit more of a hard selling and and I'm seeing a lot more uh, things coming back around. So I kind of liked what I saw last week and I kind of like to stay there. I know I'm already thinking, you know, what can I offer for free and and what program can I put out and what webinar can I put out and different content and stuff like that. So I guess I'm still in that helpful. I just haven't figured it out um, and what I can do. Uh, But I'm afraid that people are a little bit more focused around the hard selling and and I, I don't like the shift. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the word hard, hard selling. You know, the, uh, uh, I will say that um, the premise of third gear is to get you have to give, okay? So you talked about this, you know, two week of generosity window. I don't look at it as two weeks. I, I always try and be of more value to my clients than I ever asked them for. But that said, you have to know how to ask, right? You have to know how to say, could I get your opinion on how I could expand my sales? Um, here's an interesting thing. I, you know, on Facebook, a lot of people try and use Facebook to expand their brand. And I see them go one way or another. You know, you're a real estate agent and every day your status is another listing. Well, you're not going to get a lot of engagement on your wall. I'm not going on your page every day. I own a house. I'm not looking in for a house. So why yeah. would I go on your Facebook page and look for a listing, right? Exactly. Um, and that's a challenge for most real estate. But what a few of my friends who are vendors on Facebook now is they realize that people are exhausted by the pandemic news and the 24-hour, you know, litany of bad news. So they've actually opened it up into their private life a little bit. I put a status on Facebook last week. I just said, I had a picture of my cat sitting on my shoulder and I said, my cat Molly uh, wants a picture of your fur child. Please forward it. 900 responses on my Facebook wall from people I've never never posted anything on my wall. These are people who, you know, do they buy my product? Now, most of them aren't decision makers and companies, but they are in a position to refer me into their company, refer me into their association. And uh, I deliberately put that in there because I think people are cocooned. They're surrounded by, you know, either children or parents or pets. But usually a lot of people have a fur child. So on and on and on were pictures of these beautiful, delightful cats and dogs and cockatiels and everything flooding my Facebook wall. Was that meant with an ulterior intention? I'm going to sell them a product. Look, it really helped me reinforce my brand as, you know, one lady called my, my Facebook site her happy place. Hey, that's a, you could be a lot worse than be a vendor who is their happy place, right? Absolutely. Um, but every once in a while when I post something like I'm, look, I'm looking for an introduction into this association, this company, so I could do a, a workshop or keynote. Does anybody know anybody? You know, the way the human mind is, you get enough value from an individual and then they have an ask. A lot of people want to give back. It's almost exhausting to accept all this stuff from Dave. They want to help Dave now, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and, and, and you know what, and that <clears throat> goes back to my entire philosophy, you know, value first, givers gain philosophy, you have to be able to give. And I think what's really interesting in the shift that I'm seeing, which, again, 
um, my brain is also shifting through this pandemic as well, yeah. is the shift on LinkedIn to a little bit more of a personal approach because everybody in a business setting is now incorporating their business into their home life because a lot more people are working from home. Right. So I'm seeing a shift in the content around LinkedIn. I saw um, a guy that I've been following and he's you know, always extremely valuable, giving a great information, um, great business information. But then, you know what? I saw a picture of his family, which I'd never seen before on LinkedIn. I follow him on Facebook as well and Instagram. And those are the two places he kind of showcases personal. But I saw him bring that over to LinkedIn. And I would have to say that two weeks ago, I'd be like, oh, really? Like LinkedIn's the professional place. Like really, do we need to bring that in? You right. know, focus on the professional. But you know what? Even my own philosophy, so maybe that's going to shift how I'm going to go forward um, and how I feel about it. But I kind of liked that side. I kind of liked the fact that we're seeing more of the behind the scenes with the people we're connected to. And, you know, even my husband who lives in the corporate world, um, you know, he's doing conference calls and WebEx and all this kind of stuff. And he gets to see, you know, his colleagues kitchen and they're catwalking by and we're all in business casual and, yeah. and, and it's kind of the behind the scenes stuff. And he says, it's actually kind of nice to see it that is. kind of stuff. Whereas normally we just see them in a business focus, they're business dressed. Right. We're in the office so we get to kind of see a little bit of behind the scenes. So I think that's an interesting, and I've always said that people want to get to know be, the person behind the profile on LinkedIn, but I think we're, we're moving towards a different shift. And I'm, I'm actually hoping that that one stays. No, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, look, my company's called Real Human Being for a reason. Uh, the name actually came about, I don't know, 18 years ago, a guy told me he got invited to go to a conference and they want all his degrees for his name tags. So he gave it to me, but stick RHB on there too. And he got down there and somebody kept looking at his name tag and said, you know, doctor, I recognize all your credentials, but what is RHB? And he goes, real human being. And uh, got a laugh, but then the guy started introducing to everybody else at the table going, I'd like y'all to meet so-and-so. He's an RHB and everybody's like, ooh, RHB. So your example of seeing the human side of people resonating in your head, I think is very valid. Um, I think we want to know that this is a human being we're dealing with, not just this plastic individual that, uh, you know, is there just to sell us a product. Now, I will tell you, I will give you a caveat, a danger. And you know this, Stacey, because, you know, you're, uh, you're an expert in LinkedIn behavior. Um, I, I still don't understand the people who use LinkedIn as a form to express political or sociological views that are pretty uh, out there. I don't know if they realize, I, you know, if I click on their profile, I can see what they've written on other people's walls. You don't see that on Facebook, but I could see that they've, you know, gone off on a, a rant about a prime minister or a president or about being politically correct. And I'm, and I, the next thing I do, states, I always click on what they do for a living. And I think this person can't be in sales. They can't be in sales. Like, why would they post this if they're in sales? But you know what? It's interesting because I'll tell you a really quick story. So I was working with this small business, not small business, I'd probably say medium-sized business. They had about 20 employees. Yeah. And it was the head guy. And I won't get into all the details of what they do, but I was working with them on LinkedIn. So a couple of them were in sales, a few of them, like different aspects of the organization. So I was working with him and so when I do someone's profile and I help them, I obviously start to stalk them a little bit. I call that, you know, <laughs> professional stalking because I want to see. I call what, it creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's not creepy because I'm getting paid to do it, which is kind of cool. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Right. Because I monitor their activity and then be able to give them feedback and stuff right, like that. Right. But what I saw what he was doing was he was commenting on his old college buddies' posts of, hey, remember when we, you know, drank all that beer and hey, remember that party and all that kind of stuff. So I sent him a note and I, I did screenshots of all this, of all this stuff. And I went, yeah. this is all on your profile. 
and he didn't know. Yeah, yeah. He had no idea of the visibility of his post. So clearly I needed, so I did a training afterwards and showed them how visible everything was because that's the piece that is missing from a lot of the other platforms. You don't see the comments, but on LinkedIn, you go to the activity and you can see everyone's comments. So he went, oh my goodness. So we had to go back and delete them all. Yeah, and that makes sense. You Um, don't know. So I'll give a little bit of a caveat that sometimes you don't know, but when you're talking about the political piece and you're talking about expressing your opinions, you have to know that stuff's going to come back. And and especially if you're in an organization where you want to attract business. That's a well, exactly. play. Now you can be a little strategic when it comes to video <laughs> conferencing or these, these home shots. Um, you know, I've taught a number of workshops about how to walk in a room, get people to like you and trust you and generate confidence and trust and reputation. So I use this acronym called watch your weekend challenge. And the word watch means uh, pay somebody a compliment in third gear. Okay. So look for something worthy of a compliment. Uh, you'd laugh Stacy because they always say compliment their taste and not their genetics. So you say, Stacy, I like your shoes. You don't say, Stacy, I like your legs. So the first one's a sincere compliment. Second one's an HR complaint, right? You don't want an HR complaint. Um, But if you're doing video conferencing, be worthy of a compliment. So think about what's on the wall behind you. All right. It's analogous to walking into your office. And uh, if I see your desk is just sterile, it's all business related. I really have no point of connection with you. And I don't know you that well. I look at you as a one-dimensional business person. But all of a sudden, I see a photograph of your children on the desk, or maybe a medal from a 10K race that you did, or a beautiful photograph of a vacation. It invites conversation. Right. So you can be strategic about putting these things behind you on a wall. So Because human beings are curious creatures. We want to see the other side of Stacy. Now, do you feel, this is a little bit off topic, but because we're in a video world right now, do you find that stuff distracting on the background? on a video, if a video call. So if I had, you know, he can, you guys can't see me, but he can. So if I had, you know, a picture of my family, he, you know, in behind me or whatever, would you find that distracting? Or I have, I'm very plain. I have a screen behind me, so you don't see anything behind me. So I'm the focus of this video. Now, I'll be honest, I'm distracted by a little bit of what's behind you. So sometimes that can work to your favor. But I think on the other side, it can also be a detriment that people are focused more on what's on the background more than what you're saying. Yeah, good question. Uh, first of all, to allay the curiosity of anybody listening to this, um, I really believe in good sound quality. So I do a lot of these records in a walk-in closet. So Stacy is actually checking out all my wife's uh, fashion clothing behind me, leafing through mentally, taking a look at what's on the rack, right? Uh, no, I wouldn't have this as a background if I was doing a video conference. Uh, is it distracting or not? Honestly, it depends on the individual and who your target market is. Um, my wife has her home office. She's uh, in conference calls all day long with clients and coworkers, and she has a beautiful print we bought when we were in Hong Kong, and it's a lovely Asian print of you know a tree, and it's really elegant and simple. Uh, I wouldn't have a montage of every you know vacation you've got with all your kids, you know, three hundred pictures lined up behind you, but something simple I think is is fine, and people like looking at something other than just a blank wall behind you. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for your sales advice. Like I said, I think this is difficult times. I don't think people are really knowing what to do, but there's a lot of good that has has been coming out of, you know, this, uh, people connecting online, people being very generous, uh, understanding the value-based, understanding being that resource. So I'm hoping that actually stays and that we stay in this world um, of more generosity rather than going back to that. I know you don't like the word hard sell, uh, but I'm going to use that term. Uh, yeah, look, I, I totally agree with you. I uh, Just one last thing for your listeners. I mean, we're not out of this, okay? I mean, uh, 
it looks like at least in North America, there's a tidal wave that's going to get bigger before it's going to get smaller. So I will tell you a third gear is the gear of kindness. And if, you know, a year from now, I think about all my friends and family and who act and all my vendors and people sold me things, you know, the people who stay in my mind will the people who were kind and compassionate. Yeah, they ran a business and they sold their product, but those are going to be the place setters in my head. I mean, uh, I bought a, a box of these COVID or these uh, N95 masks about a month ago when the news was just starting to happen. I bought them at home hardware and, you know, I thought we'd be all wearing masks in society. And now I realize I don't need a mask. I mean, you know, we're self-isolating now. So I just put on social media yesterday, uh, I want to donate these masks to our local hospital. Does anybody have a contact up there? So, you know, within a minute, two or three people are connecting with nurses and doctors or with the hospital foundation. Um, now, did I put that on to, to burnish my reputation? No, I did it because I'm trying to make connections. But don't kid yourself. People are looking, look at Dave. He's trying to donate his masks, you know, um, and that that's a place setter for them. And like, you know, yeah, I could have done it without posting it on there, but I honestly wanted a connection to the hospital. But when I see Stacy in this time of, of trouble and stress is, uh, is not always hard selling me. She's asked me genuinely because she cares. How am I doing? Is there anything she can do above and beyond just selling a product? I'm impressed by that. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're absolutely right. Let's let's stick with the generosity, uh, figuring out how to help people, and working together in this world where we're all living virtually with each other instead of in yeah, person. And if, and if you're going to buy something, you might as well buy it from somebody you like. So this is yeah. the opportunity all your listeners have. You know, be that likable person. Yeah, and leave and leave people when this is over. I think you're right. We're in a little bit of a longer haul, uh, but people want to remember you as somebody who was helpful and not. I'm going to use the word again, schmarmy. So we're not doing that hard sell. We're not just focused on me, 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 me. So get out of first gear and get into third. Yeah. What, what if a pandemic could make us all be a kinder, gentler nation? Thanks for tuning in. I'd love to have you join the conversation over on social media. You can follow me at Socially Stacy. And remember when your comments to use hashtag link for success. And remember, don't just link for the sake of linking, link for success.